When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, Ag Direct can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving Iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Axon would like to give the loyal listeners of the Moving Iron Podcast a free beanie. As cold as it's been, Sean, I could use one of those, probably two or three of them. It sounds like with the good news you gave me before <clears throat> recording that I might need an extra five or six of them. So looking forward to that. You're in... uh you're in Tucson, but it's abnormally cool there too, is why right? it is. Uh, it's below freezing, snow flurries mm-hmm. in the southern desert. Um, you know that that's never happened before, but it's you know it's 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 a it's unusual uh, weather some phenomena down here. So uh, I thought I could go get down to the southern deserts of Arizona and and catch some some heat, and it does not look like it's going to deliver. <laughs> it's a dry cold though, so don't worry about it. Yeah, it's a dry cold, so it only it only takes an hour longer to freeze to death. It's fine. That's right. So you'll be okay. Oh, <laughs> send an email to marketing at axontire.com and they'll, they'll, they'll express ship you one of those beanies down there for your 
for your time in Tucson. Give me a beanie. Give me a baby. Give me something. I need something. <laughs> right on. Also, back song, I'd like to give you a $50 discount off of your registration for, for the Moving Iron Summit. Come on up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 11th through the 13th. So if you're one of the first 150 people to sign up, you get that free discount. Or not free discount, $50 discount. So check that out. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Tractor Zoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment. Sales data, Tractor Zoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is also brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create a connected customer experience to transform how you work today. Sean is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida, and he's nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. So, Sean, how are you doing this morning, man? I'm doing really, really good. Glad to uh, be here in Tucson and uh, um, have a, a t- two-day uh, speaking uh, engagement here at the uh, uh, Independent Professional Seed Dealers Association. So I'm looking forward to that. So. Yeah. I thought you might be down there for the International Cactus Growers Association or something like that. But uh, you know, the the, the prickly pear. Uh, motorcycle gang uh, meeting was here and that's that's really oh, what I was here there for. you go yeah, Tell them exactly. how many coats they need to wear when they're <laughs> during the winter time when they're out riding so yeah my uh my, my beard hasn't quite grown in yet so <laughs> right on right on all right had big sell-off yesterday in the marketplace looks like uh some of the reaction to what we see some short-term uh you know range of stuff we saw in argentina seen some moisture in some growing areas in the United States when it comes to wheat. Uh, but like you, we were talking about beforehand, so like a pretty big cold snap's coming back through uh, that can could write some of this uh, loss we saw here over the next uh, couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of snow cover in the north. Uh, winter wheat belt, I'm not really too concerned about that. I'm still concerned that there's pot patches and fairly large patches potentially in the center south, center east uh, winter wheat belt that may uh, get caught with, you know, very similar cold pattern to what we had in December, Casey, a couple of weeks. It's not going to last, you know, more than that, but it's going to be another couple of weeks of some really, really uh, cold temperatures. So we definitely need to keep it a good timing, you know, snow versus cold. It's always tough to gauge that timing, but we definitely need to keep our eyes pulled. The, wet, the weather will be plenty, plenty cold for anything that doesn't have sufficient snowfall. So, um, and in Argentina, you know, we talked about this several weeks ago. We expected to have some kind of a short-term weather pattern change. God, we're getting some good moisture, like the first major moisture of the year. Um, it will not eradicate a, a one in 60 year drought. And it does not look like it's going to be more than a few week affair. Mm-hmm. And I, it looks like we're going back to, to a drought pattern, you know, um, as we get into February. So, um, you know, I don't think this is a long lasting uh, uh, event. And I, and I think that yesterday, at least for soybeans and probably for corn, you know, I don't think we're going to get much more of a reaction to the downside unless, you know, this wet weather pattern is uh, proves more persistent. We don't think that's the case. Our work is not suggesting that. So our idea would be that we're probably putting in a short-term low and we're going to start to trade, you know, maybe revert some of this loss from yesterday and, and get a bounce in the markets. That's that's what it seems to us right now. Yeah. So, so are you talking cold, like around Christmas time cold, where it's like negative 20 and that kind of stuff? It, it I don't think it'll be quite as cold as that, but it's going to be pretty close. Pretty close. Maybe five degrees warmer. 
you know, like just a oh. little bit warmer. Negative fifty. You know. Nice. All right. But I mean, but 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 very, very cold. Like like yeah. bullseye in the center of the you know, really, really cold stuff. It looks and, and it's it's a it's pretty much like a nationwide thing, cold. you know, Tucson to to New York. You know, I mean it looks pretty expansive on the on the entire country. Although the bullseye, you know, is going to be that center center north. You know, Alberta, where I'm gonna be going here in a in another week or so, looks like it could be uh a little frosty. You should talk so. to your travel agent about when when you book your your things. You should try to stay further south in the winter and more north in the in the summer. I'm gonna I'm gonna call the feeder cattlemen's association <laughs> and tell them that I strongly suggest and recommend that they change the timing of their meeting. But, <laughs> See how that goes for you, Sean. I think that'll. Yeah, I I think they may not have me come back for uh, next year probably. <laughs> right on. All right. So the other day we were at a. At a, a church lunch thing, and and uh, I was sitting next to a guy, and we were talking a little bit about. Um, he was a retired guy, and he was talking about uh, the price of eggs and the price of orange juice, and what he saw there. And of course, because I listened to the Moving Iron podcast, I had some knowledge to drop on him. And but th- let's talk a little bit about the price of eggs just for a second. When you're looking at at the avian flu situation that we can't seem to get over here in the United States. I think the other day my wife paid um, almost nine dollars for a dozen eggs, and now those were the if you went and bought the organic, double organic, you know, free range eggs, they were five bucks. But the uh, the the regular eggs that that you get at, at any Walmart or any grocery store like that, they were anywhere between seven and nine bucks a, a dozen. So I guess Sean, looking at that that market right now, and then you throw orange juice on top of that, I, I guess take a look at that. Tell me what you see happening in, in that in that. I guess poultry marketplace that's driving up the price of eggs so much. Well, <clears throat> I have to believe that you know we'll get over this avian flu thing, and we'll, you know, I mean, obviously it's in the vested interest of every single producer in the United States to get their hands around this and start producing more eggs because that's how they make money. Right. Um, so, and you know, we can we can we can grow the supply of eggs very very quickly uh, if we can get our hands around it. I think we will. Um, we know the winter time is particularly difficult. For anything related to flu, whether it's animal to animal, human to human, so you know, I suspect as we get on the other side of winter, we get into March, get in early spring. I think we'll get our hands around it, and we'll quickly get that supply back. And you know, as much as eggs, in many instances, are a must-have um, in terms of cooking and things that you make, there is some price sensitivity to it. Um, there is some demand destruction that comes from it. So I don't really think this is more than just a shot in the dark to the upside for a few months. And then it comes crashing back down. I, I really think we're probably at the peak or, or already have seen the peak in prices. Um, and probably if we have this conversation three or four months from now, they'll probably be fairly, fairly close to back to, to where they were before. That would be my expectation, you know, unless, you know, this, the even flu just proves to be much more resilient. I think we'll get our hands around it. I think we're, smart enough and, and con- we have a, a good enough containment strategy here to, to, to get this, to get over the top of this. So. Okay. Um, orange juice. Talk about that for a minute. Is this the supply of orange juice still reeling from uh, hurricane Ian and, and what we saw happening there with those five counties that, that produce most of the orange juice for the United States. Or remember we had, we had a very, very bad frost last winter. Right. Um, one thing that we had highlighted last year and, and, uh, and then, then of course, then we had this, you know, extreme flooding from the hurricane. So it was a it was a double whammy. We almost, I mean, if the if you look at the latest USDA uh, assessment, 
it looks like we're only going to produce like 18 million boxes of orange juice. It's almost like zero. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, <clears throat> I mean, we, we were doing 380, you know, 10 years ago. So, uh, okay. We're wow. almost not, we're, we're, we're like, not 10%, right. We're almost like this, you know, we're just like gone. Yep. I mean, it's not gone, but I mean, it's, it's practically, we're not producing any orange juice here in the United States and Florida at all. Hardly. Now the question is, is that a permanent feature? Um, you know, or, or is this the, the trough and then we see you know production double or triple over the next few years you know my suspicion would be i don't think that the florida uh citrus growers or orange juice producers are ready to you know totally give up the ghost and end their lives uh you know with their i, I think they're going to fight back i think they're going to you know the, the trees are going to recover um i think they're going to put some investments in and i think we're going to see a big rebound in production um, you know, the next two, three years, at least something back to something more respectable. But I guess where we're at now, Casey's, we're down so low, it doesn't really matter what happens to, to the crop now. I mean, it's 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 done. There's just nothing left. So yeah. it's really about how quickly do we rebound from here? Um, you know, and that's, you know, like I said, so, so assuming, you know, that we have, um, you know, better hurricane seasons coming up, which we should, by the way, because La Nina is going away and El Nino is coming, that means better hurricane seasons for florida um you know we should start to see a rebound in production of course brazil which is the number one producer in the world by a lot um has a huge crop has huge supplies are having record exports to the united states and and demand is absolutely crashing here in the u.s i mean i believe the numbers are we're talking about uh, demand down in excess of 12 percent year over year you know the demand is just going to just catch up real really fast you just can't keep having demand drop 12 plus percent year over year and think you're, I don't, you know, it, it's going to catch up with the market. So, you know, we've been hovering around this $2, 220 area, which is near all time highs. We've been kind of building a topping pattern, but I just ultimately we're going to, we're going to break to the downside as we finally, uh, you know, get supply and demand back into excess as I think we'll start to see here in the spring and those cold storage stocks, which got really drawn down to some very low levels start to get rebuilt. So it looks to me like we're at maximum, you know, maximum shortage price pricing in right now. This is why oh, I see yeah. it. Right on. That's some good news for your breakfast. Sounds it is good news if you drink orange juice. I like cranberry juice and apple juice myself. But mm -hmm. for those that do orange juice, yes, it'll get better. So do you get do you get beat up in Florida if you don't if you don't drink orange juice? I, I put food I coloring. I put oh, yellow okay. food coloring in. I got everyone thinks I'm drinking orange juice, but I'm not. I know if there's roaming roaming gangs of orange juice mafia out there trying to run you down drink orange juice. All I know is when I'm in public, I love orange juice. <laughs> right on. Right on. All right. Um, taking a look at what's going on in in some other areas of the marketplace. One thing we haven't talked about for a while is is sugar. Take a look at sugar and what's going on there. We've had a couple um years leading up to this year that were pretty slim on the sugar side. And we look at the uh, the sugar beet harvest that we saw across um, um, pretty much the predominant growing areas of of that of, of sugar beet growing areas there where we saw uh, not necessarily that the tons weren't there and, and not necessarily the sugar wasn't there either. Usually you have one or the other, um, but this year it was kind of a little bit of both. So I guess looking at what's going on uh, with sugar, Sean, as you take a look at the markets right now, you don't see much movement there. That's been kind of hovering around between that 18 and 20 cent range here for the 
for the you know as long as I've been looking at it here. So I guess two years. I think it's almost two yeah, years of a flat price action. So not, not that's nothing. the bigger the base, the bigger the move in either direction. By the way, so you know we're, we're building for something big to happen in either direction. My my slant would be ultimately, ultimately, not imminently, but ultimately that we'll break out to the upside because El Nino is coming. Although you know, as you know, we're pretty been pushing back on this idea that it's going to arrive by spring, summer, we're, we're feeling it's going to be much more later in the year. But nonetheless, La Nina is going away and El Nino is coming. And that gets very, very bullish because of the drought that takes place in Asia and, you know, India, in Thailand, parts of China. So, you know, we would expect eventually to see uh, the market have to react to that when it becomes clear that weather pattern is kicking in. In the meantime, I think it could be a lot of two-sided trade. One of the things that's kept sugar prices uh from breaking down is you know india had a great crop but they uh defaulted on some of their cash sales because you know they sold uh india has a really crazy it's kind of a quasi market driven but not so but not always market driven pricing mechanism the government has their hands in the cookie jar but but there is a market mechanism bottom line is the um Indians sold a lot of sugar at the lows and a lot of defaults took place where they said, I'm, we're not delivering the sugar. And so a lot of the buyers that thought they had sugar secured had to go scramble in the market and find fresh new supplies to replace that. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of created some of these moves to the upper end of the trading range and it's kept this market from probably breaking down more than it, you know, than it has, you know, it should have been, it should have broken down more based upon the, actual supplies in india but they've just not been willing sellers and they've been playing this game of defaults the long term you know the long term loss of confidence in a country that defaults on supplies like that is you know you don't trust them so it's it's kind of an interesting dynamic and it's saying that a lot of a lot of buyers are going to be looking to secure supplies away from india you know given that it looks like at least portions of India can't be trusted to deliver on their cash contract. So it's a it's one of those quirks that markets sometimes have. But overall, I don't see really any reason to think this market's going to break up or down in any major way, at least into the springtime. And then we'll have to take another look. All, so. right. All right. On. All right. Last question here. Um, it's more on the, the economy side of things, looking at most of these reports that have come out of Europe and obviously the, the Fed reports that we've seen come out month over month here um, and need quarter over quarter. Looks like inflation has is slowly starting to slow down. I guess Sean, taking a look at that, what are your thoughts there on how that affects the dollar and how that's going to affect our exports as we head into this exporting frame? Well, the more the, the inflation rate comes down, the more the inflation rate comes down to the to the two to four percent target that the Federal Reserve has said they want in order to the more they're going to start to slow down rate increases and eventually stop rate increases and eventually lower rates. I mean, that, that, that's, a, that's a long process. So the first thing is we're expecting rate increases to slow. So the next Fed meeting here in February, you know, it looks like instead of being, uh, you know, 75 basis points or 50 basis points, it might only be a quarter now, you know, so we're slowing down the rate. And, you know, the dollar currencies tend to be a participatory market I and mean, they tend to look out the road down the down the the, the 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 down the road a little bit and see you know what's coming and they tend to react well before things actually shift and so you know you could definitely see you know later in the year um into 24 that we might be talking about rate 
decreases. And so the dollars had its initial knockdown from 113-ish down to 101-ish. It wouldn't surprise me if we get a little bit of a relief rally, some kind of a bounce because the Fed's still raising rates and, oh gosh, they're not going to lower yet. You know, the market's going to react to that. But I think we probably have made a top. And all we're looking to do now is make some kind of a secondary top. Looks to me like a lower top, you know, maybe a rally to 107, 108, something like that. And then you roll over into something more protracted to the downside. There's an eight-year currency cycle that we follow that um, kicked in 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 between 2016 and 2018. And mid-range between eight-year declines, you get this bear market rally that then reverts back down and moves the dollar to new lows. We're, we're on the, the cycle says we should be ready to turn this market down into the second quarter. Secondly, we follow something called the Benner cycle, which was a farmer back in the 1800s that uh, was tired of selling his crops at the lows and decided to look at the statistics of pricing and determine when things, you know, if there was a, a, a repetitive cyclical nature to markets. And, uh, it's a whole range of dates, but one of the dates uh, that uh, we're in now, part of the cycle, is what's called the dollar devaluation cycle. Uh, 2023 is the next iteration of that. And when we do our presentations, we talk about how ever, since 1900, every single one of these dates that the Benner cycle um, picked for U.S. dollar devaluation has met with a major U.S. dollar devaluation. So I don't know what will trigger this. But the eight-year cycle says we should see the, the dollar turn down, and the Benner cycle says we should see some kind of a major event, some major situation that causes a major U.S. dollar devaluation, most likely later on in the year. And so we need to be you know, looking out for that because obviously anything that brings this trend back to a strong downtrend not only improves our translational value of U.S. priced commodities to foreign prices, but it also allows us to sell a ton of product and get more competitive again. So you know, I think that's one of the reasons why we're pretty friendly commodities overall in the back half of the year. And certainly agricultural agricultural prices in aggregate would would participate in that. Right on. Okay. Well, good stuff as usual, Sean. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what you're doing over at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett H-A-C-K-E-T-T advisors.com. We have lots of information on there for people to look at to see. If the way we look at things with our statistics, our cycles, our correlations would be of value to your listeners. Right on. Well, Sean, appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Thanks, Casey. Talk to you soon. Safe travels going back to Florida. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast. And you can also check me out on the uh, YouTube channel, which is the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. So check that out. Go to Moving Iron LLC for everything Moving Iron related and all the information for the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 11th through the 13th. Uh, have the information up there about speakers and whatnot here pretty soon. So that should be ready to go. So check that out. Um, Again, if you're one of the first 150 people to sign up for that, you get that $50 discount, so check that out. Um, if you want to get more information about what Sean's doing, Sean, what's the best way folks want to book you to come come talk uh, at, at a at a conference or something like that that they have going on? Uh, they they want to go to uh, the Tiller Group or agspeakersnetwork.com, I believe okay. it is. Yep. And that's our booking agent, and they can contact them and work out the details, logistics, the pricings, and all that sort of thing. It's um, pretty easy and simple and they kind of handle everything with signing contracts and make sure everything is really official and and everybody understands the expectations on both sides of what is to take place awesome so.
There you go. Let's check that out. So you want to get Sean uh, over to one of your conventions or uh, just to talk to some people in your group, go to the group at agspeakersnetwork.com and uh, go there. I've used them before and to get to book Sean, obviously, and, and also to uh, have a few other speakers there. So it's a good, a good, a good place to check that out. So you want, to, you want to get Sean, go over to agspeakersnetwork.com and get in line up there. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour. We're Sean Hackett. Let's go with smart folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, Ag Direct can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving higher in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Move.